0: Publishing a book is a victory, but it's not the end. After you sweep up the confetti and wash the champagne flutes, what's next? Authoring Onward is the podcast about those steps after your first publication. Going from published author to having a long-term writing career. And that has no clear endpoints and plenty of ups and downs. But telling stories for the long term is so, so worth it. Sit back, listen, and together, let's author Onward. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Authoring Onward. I'm your host, author, editor, and book coach, Connie B. Dowell. And I am excited to be back in front of the mic um, after a little bit of a travel break um, and this summer and this more relaxed summer schedule for the podcast. Um, but believe it or not, summer is is actually winding down. Uh, kid activities are winding down and we're looking forward to a new school year next month. Wow. I can't believe it's gone by so fast, but a lot of exciting things have happened since the last episode. Um, as y'all might remember if you've listened to the previous episode, I was just getting ready for the launch of our cozy mystery anthology on the summer solstice, and the title is Mid-Sum- is Mysteries, Midsummer Sun, and Murders. So a um, great collection of novellas and novelettes, all cozy mysteries, all with a summer theme. And we launched that book. It was the biggest book launch in my career that I've been involved in for certain. And we did it. We made the USA Today bestseller list. So that was really exciting. Um, It was a fantastic project working with so many talented authors, um, learning a lot just from being part of it. So part of my absence was me um, not just traveling to my parents, but also dealing with that book lunch and and the big push for the bestseller list and then celebrating, celebrating our accomplishment. You will definitely hear some more lessons learned and kind of some rundown on this podcast in forthcoming episodes, but it might be just a little bit later than I had initially planned. And that is because we are not done with this project. Nope. Um, the 20 midsummer authors are continuing to work on doing new things, um, stretching ourselves in publishing. And so we've already got the book out in ebook, obviously, um, and in hardback, but, um, we're doing a special Kickstarter project, and that's going to be launching really shortly. A bundle of all of the novellas in what we're calling flip-flop duologies. So print copies, each print book has two of the novellas from the anthology in it, and you hold the book one way and read one, and then you flip it over to Start the second book, um, and you get those in a bundle, and it, it's it's going to be really exciting and fun, and something that I had not really seen before. Um, so that's why it might be a little bit before I give y'all a full kind of rundown, post mortem, lessons learned, what you want to call it, because we're still doing exciting things with this project. So that's coming up. At, if you want to follow our kickstarter and um get notified when it launches i will have a link in the show notes for that um also in fun things that i'm linking in the show notes uh if you remember if you missed out on that the kidlet creators 2.0 super stack it was a big bundle of different resources courses um ebooks tools etc for folks who are writing and publishing children's literature And that happened in the spring. But if you missed out on that, we are bringing it back just for one week here in July. So you can get all of that for one low price link in the show notes if you want to check that out as well. Now, moving on from announcements, let's start maybe looking ahead to autumn and a lot of us do have this more chaotic summer um, where things may be down. But as we're planning ahead, um, planning to be writing at a harder pace, maybe setting more intense goals than we had over the summer, it's a great time to start thinking about creative inspiration. And that is the topic of today's episode. So I have um, on the podcast, I had a, a great chat with author Paul Attaway about finding your creative voice. Um, and we talked not only about somebody who is, you know, initially looking for that creative voice, maybe who hasn't been a, a, a storytelling writer before, looking for that creative well inside of themselves, but also some ways that we can maybe shore up flagging inspiration and motivation that happens to all of us even even many years down the road and we had a wonderful chat about that and more and let's hop into it all right well thank you again for listening to uh, the authoring onward podcast today i am talking with author paul attaway welcome to the show paul
1: thank you appreciate you having me on
0: I am so glad that you agreed to come on and chat with me this evening. So would you like to introduce yourself to listeners a little bit about you and what you write?
1: Sure. Um, Name is Paul, Paul Attaway. And um, my wife and I, we live in Charleston, South Carolina. So we've been visiting for some time. We made it our permanent residence about two years ago. And I retired from a career in the business world a few years back. I was um, out on business, but uh, too young to retire, and I decided to take a crack at writing a book. I've been a lifelong reader, and it wanted to, to give it a shot, and I had so much fun writing the first book and was uh, very thrilled at the positive feedback I received that I wrote a second book, and I'm now working on a third book.
0: Wow, that's great. Great. So you want to talk a little bit about the, the content of your books for people? Who sure. Are- <laughs> yeah,
1: no, they're um, suspense thrillers. Um, the first one I published in 2020 is entitled Blood in the Low Country. It's a family drama suspense thriller set in Charleston, South Carolina in the 1970s. And the second book is it's, it's developing. The, the books are developing into a series. The second book is entitled Eli's Redemption. And it is while it's a standalone book, it is um, a sequel of sorts to the first book. and it's also set, it's set in part in Charleston, but also a big chunk of the book takes place in the Bahamas.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, so I'm sure that more about the books are going to come up in our conversation because i know you came on the show tonight to talk about tapping into what your inner creative voice um so do you want to maybe uh share how that was for you making that transition to being a writer coming from a very different field how did you start tapping into that voice
1: yeah so um, it's really it's really a two-part question for me. There's writing, and then there's storytelling. And yeah. I've always written. I was a lawyer for a whopping two years, but I learned to write in law school. And I was a small business guy. I ran my own businesses, which meant that I did pretty much all the writing, everything from marketing material to press releases, uh, uh, offering memorandums and installation instructions. You have it. I wrote it. So my, my, um, the, the, um, the, the, uh, the exercise or the skill of writing has been something I'd always worked on. And in the business world, I tried to say what I meant and meant what I said. I tried to be as succinct as possible because people just don't invest the time to read. And if you can't get it down at a page or two, you, you probably don't even understand it yourself. So the writing, when I began to write, I at least had been working on that storytelling was an entirely different um, adventure. And so I started off the process by reading a lot of books on how to write a book and and blogs on how to write books, et cetera. And I I basically just sat down with a legal pad and just began to jot down um, ideas. You know, what is it that I can write about? And some of the advice I received from reading this and that was, you know, write what you know. So I focused on that and to write what you know, write what you know. So um, I felt that I could write about fathers and sons. I had a great relationship with my father. Unfortunately, he passed away too early. Um, I am a father. I'm now a grandfather. So I, I can you know kind of right there in the middle. So I felt that was something that I could write about. So that's, that's kind of how it got started. And then I kind of honed in. I said, OK, well, then I could write about... Um, What it meant to grow up in the South, and we were um, living more and more of our lives in Charleston. So I said, okay, you know, I can I could put the story here. So I started with some very thirty thousand foot ideas of you know what I could write about, and then I tried to then identified my geographic setting, and I was born in 1963, so. The story was going to involve a father and a son. So that kind of put me in the 1970s. And so these were how some of the fences started to, to develop. And, um, and I remember reading something that was very helpful. And it, I, I couldn't tell you who wrote this. It was in one of the myriad of things I read. And it talked about to force creativity, you really need to put fences around yourself. Um, if you can hear that, that's my grandson. I apologize. Um, you have to be able to put fences around yourself. And because if your story is going to take up too much time or too many geographic locations, it just gets harder and harder you know, to, to, to write a story that can hold the reader's attention. And frankly, I think it gets harder and harder to write a tight story. So I, I took that to heart. And I found that was very helpful that when I put um, fences around me, so to speak, in terms of time and location, it forced me to you know to be creative within this this realm. So that was sort of how I got started.
0: Yeah, so I think there's a lot of of interesting things to unpack there. Um, you're absolutely right that creativity. Uh, it might seem on the outside when someone is first saying, "I want to be creative, I need infinite possibilities," but infinite possibilities are actually a little bit paralyzing, um, and it does help to work within structure. Structure allows you to be creative. Uh, I also am uh, interested because you, you brought up the old adage of like, write what you know, and yet it's it's not write only what you know. Because there, there's pieces that you took um, that you knew really well that you had experienced, but presumably, you know, like the the murder and the thriller and the suspense aspect is also fictional. So
1: <laughs> but that's right. No, absolutely. Um, I think you 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 draw on a good point. Um, all fiction writer, you know, all's a big word, but I would agree with you. Um, most all of us. Um, do some sort of research. At some level, we're doing research. Now, if you're doing historical fiction, good, grief, if you're doing an extraordinary amount of research. But I grew up in the 70s. I, I knew what I wore. I knew what my father wore. So I didn't have to. So that only took a little bit of research. But yes, I had to, I had to research. Um, so there is a murder in my first book. And so there is, um, and there is someone who's been wrongfully accused. And so we need to find out who the real murderer is. So I got to research the state of forensics uh, science in the 1970s. You know, A lot of people are fans of CSI, et cetera. And so we're, we, 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 we have this belief that the police can come in and pick up a leaf and pull the DNA off of it and tell us who did the murder. Well, we have a lot more technology today than we had in the 1970s. So I had to go back and research the state of forensics uh, science in the '70s, to fashion that into the story, and I found it fascinating. And then it ended up playing a role, you know, in the story itself. So yes, I decided I decided that someone needed to die, had to kill somebody, make the story interesting. But and then um, and that then sort of set me down a path of okay, how are we going to catch the bad guy?
0: Yeah. So. Um... So you started with write what you know, but also ended up writing what you want to know, which I think a lot of writers sometimes feel like I'm not going to write what I know because that's too limiting, but those can be jumping off points for what, you know, to, to get you, to give you that create, that structure to be creative. And then you can, then you can start researching the things you want to know.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, um, um, I think most all of us at some level enjoy learning something new. If, if it's only what you know, then it's repetitive and it's boring and you're not going to bring people along on an interesting ride. So I, I think, um, you know, um, research is you know kind of, sort of like falling down the rabbit hole. At some point, you kind of have to come back out and go, OK, I'm going to throw this away. i want to keep this and, and fashion a story out of it. And also, I, I think um, um, it, there are it, um, most every topic, if you go, you know, if you barely plunge a topic, it's not interesting, or, or it may not be interesting. But the more you dig down into a topic, the more interesting it becomes to you. And then next thing you know, you're, you're writing about something and you're going to find readers out there who either know your topic very well, or, or, or who also are drawn in and they find it interesting and they, they, they learn something about whatever X, Y, or Z, whatever it is you were writing
0: about. Yeah, and that's where you find those really fascinating little details that bring um, either a, a setting or a time period or um, an activity or whatever it is to life. Uh, it's in those little details that you don't really get on that, that cursory initial research. Agreed. Um, so those are some ways you, you tapped into your creative voice when you were getting started telling stories. Um, but I think for those of us after who've been writing for a bit, who's got a few books under our belt, it, you might think that you'd have tapped into your creative voice and have that really nailed down. But you can actually find that, that voice flagging that and hard to find at times. Uh, as you move on in your career. Is that something that's ever happened to you?
1: Well, I'd say it's probably happening right now um, as I work on my third book. And the first book, um, I I, um, kind of stumbled into the storyline. It was a book that was, frankly, at some point it became rather boring. It was about a a young boy, um, a teenager in the 70s. And then I decided that uh, I needed to shift the story more to the perspective of the father as to the events that were happening in this family. And then the the story began to develop. It became more interesting. And so the second book I wrote answered a lot of questions that the first book left open at the end. So now I have some characters that I have developed and I'm now looking for, you know, the next story, the rest of the story or or what what else will happen with this family. And I have a writing style that, I've, that I feel comfortable with. I, it's difficult to describe, or at least it's difficult for me to describe, but um, I know how it is I write. And so I, that to me, isn't the problem right now where I'm, I'm struggling is um, developing the storyline. And by that, I, first I have my characters and I'm coming up with character arc. So in order to understand, you know, the character arc, you have to know who the character is. What? Who are they? You know, uh, what makes this person tick? And you know, wh- where are their demons? Where are their flaws? Their fears? And and then where do you want them to end up? And so that's sort of what I'm working on now. Is okay. Th- these are some. Of, this is the. This can be my protagonist. And and uh, these are the people in this person's world. And I want them to end up. You know, over here. I want them to change. Okay, well, I have to throw stuff at them. You know, stuff's got to happen. Their lives have to be turned upside down. All right, so you know, when were they born? What's going on at the, in the world? Are they in school? Are they out of school? You know, um, you know, what's going on naturally around them in the world that could create turmoil in their lives, either as a function of their age or world events? So this is sort of where I am wrestling now to try to come up with this, this picture of the world they're in so I can understand, you know, um, you know what I can throw at them, and then you know see how they respond to it. And I'm, I'm, i admittedly a bit lost. I'm, I'm, I'm in the research down the rabbit hole. I am, I am just, I'm reading I'm research, and um, it's my hope that at some point the story will fall out of all of this.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that I'm seeing a theme in your two kind of responses to that sort of flagging inspiration or writer's block is that both had to do with character. In one case, you realized you needed to switch to another character's point of view or, or add more of another character's point of view. And then the other right. about coming back to that character arc. Um, and there are a lot of different ways that people might kind of tackle writer's block or flagging inspiration. Um, and character is is a big one, um, not necessarily for every writer or every project. And so I think it is about knowing yourself. And it's an interesting pattern to spot. That it, character is where you're going back to.
1: Yes, that's what I find um, interesting. You know, In, a, in an overly simplistic uh, view of books, you know, my wife and I will be reading, and you know, what are you reading? We'll talk about what we're reading. And I might comment, oh, this is a plot-driven story, or this is a character-driven story. And those are overly simplistic, and I don't mean that to demean the author's efforts, but sometimes um, they are, seem to be, you know, drawn that way. And, and, and personally, I enjoy a book that is more uh, character-driven, and you can have a great plot, you can have stuff and twists and turns, but the character's response to the stuff you throw at them needs, needs to make sense. You know, I'll be absurd if if I have if my protagonist is an 85 year old man, and all of a sudden he's thrown into a a street fight. It's unrealistic to expect that he's going to win the fight against a bunch of you know 30 year old thugs. So if he did, people would go, that's unbelievable. So that that's a that's an absurd example. But I use it that how the characters respond to the stuff that happens to them to me is where you'll. You'll, you'll, you'll get a genuine story where even though we have fictionalized events and maybe our bad guy is over the top, the character's response to it makes some sense. And I think that's, at least when I read a book, that's what draws me in and I go, that was a really great story because it, it made sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think people, people may come for the plot or they may come for the setting, or for some concept, but they they stay for the characters. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, all right, you, you get a, a series you love it has got a great recurring character, and there's just something about that character that you go, wow, I just love those mm-hmm. stories. And there's only so many ways you can. I mean, we all. I mean, there's only so many plots out there, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so many ways you can, uh, you know, you know, destroy Western democracy and have the hero come in and save the world. You know, so. Um, the, the way the character reacts, I think, oftentimes is what makes it most interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even when, now that I think about it, to to stories that are maybe a little bit more plot driven, um, that uh, thinking of like a lot of superhero stories or yeah. a lot of um, uh, mystery sto- stories that go on multiple series. Um, Miss Marple doesn't change very much. Right. So the right. stories are technically plot driven, but it is her character.
1: It's her character that, that brings you back. You right. Right. And in those types of stories, you're not really getting character art. We know the character. Yeah. But it's that care in that situation, it's that character's quips or peculiarities or their sense of humor mm-hmm. or something about them that brings you back.
0: Yeah. It's how they affect the world instead of the world, changing them. Changing them, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, so we've talked a bit about how you initially tapped into that inner creative voice and some kind of some ways to, that you've started to get yourself out when you felt a little bit stuck. Are, are there any ongoing practices that you have um, like free writing or prompts or, or things? Yeah,
1: like so I think um, um, early on in my Uh, early on when when I was literally trying to write my first book and I I had um, I was getting nowhere I'd been at it and I I say I'd been at it I had taken pages and pages legal pads full of notes of ideas so then I finally sat down and I said today is the day I start the book after a couple of days I just had nothing just nothing and uh, I had a chance meeting with a gentleman um, someone introduced us and my wife and I you know we, we the four of us go out to dinner and Uh, And they were a bit older than us and fully retired. And he had retired from a career as a film editor in Hollywood. So he knew a bit about storytelling. And he asked me what I was trying to do, so I told him. And he gave me some advice. He said, "Uh, quit trying to write a book. Quit trying to write a story. He said, just write. Write scenes, write whatever pops into your head. Piece it together later. You may write a scene tomorrow that will appear at the end of the book. Or he said, just write. And I have followed that advice when I get stuck. And so sometimes I'll just start typing and I go, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that it's Wednesday and, and, uh, and Bob just found out that he had been fired. And so I'm writing knowing that I'm going to be editing it later, but it gets me into it. And at least for me, once I start writing, then tip oftentimes the ideas that end up being, I think, the most interesting literally pop into my head. I don't plan them. I can't come up with them. I didn't plan to have this idea. They just happen. And so I think the process of uh, writing yourself out of a corner or trying to figure out how you're going to, to make this, uh, this plot twist actually work, I think this is the problem solving that fiction writers have to do. It's sort of like engineering a story. And it's literally, at least for me, it's the act of actually doing it and what ifing and what ifing. And the, and the, and the solution, it may not hit me until several hours later when I've already walked away from my desk and I, I, may, out, I may be exercising or I may be you know, going to the supermarket or something. And all of a sudden, I'm like, boom, that's it. Um, so for me, just working it. The other thing that works for me is talking out loud. Um, I think that when we get caught in our head in a cycle, just that, that sometimes things just they, they just ricochet, and don't, don't go anywhere. So I'll leave my office and I'll go downstairs. And and uh, if my wife is there, I'll say, do you have a minute or two? And she'll say, sure. And so I'll sit there and I'll tell her this is what I'm working on. And she doesn't even have to know where I am with the story but the act of being able to speak out loud to somebody else and have that person come back and go, so you're struggling with X. And I'll go, yes. And the talking out loud, sometimes I'll walk away and go, I got it. And I go back upstairs. So verbalizing it, um, helps quite a bit at least helps me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree a hundred percent talking it out. Cause you, when you are like alone in your room at your desk, um, typing away, it there, there's a div- I think it, it, it does use a different part of your brain to speak it out loud. It does. It does Yes. Type it. Um, and that can kind of shake loose some ideas um, as well as this, it, And I've heard many other writers point out like ideas coming to you, solutions coming to you later, um, doing something like exercising or washing yeah. the dishes or all of those automatic processes that in the background your brain can be like right. thinking.
1: Yeah. So people will ask me sometimes, you know, friends of mine who know I've made this transition from the traditional business world into, you know, being, you know, writing books, They go, well, you know, how, how often, you know, how much time during the day are you working on your book? And I, I'll kind of go, always. <laughs> it's like, you know, always. And so uh, I don't rely on my memory anymore. If all sudden an idea comes to me, I'll, I'll, um, I'll pull over the side of the road if i'm driving and i'll email myself wherever i am i'll pull out my phone and i'll email myself just enough so i can remember what i was thinking so i get a lot of emails from myself um, and some of them have ideas that end up being you know keepers
0: yeah so that's um that's a great technique to always have something to record your idea your phone a pad of paper something on you all the time you never know Yep. Show up, um, but also that inspiration shows up when you do. Um, that you mentioned, just keep you know just keep writing things that don't necessarily make it into the final draft um, to get that momentum. So these yep. are all, all great tips.
1: Momentum is key. Mm-hmm. Um, I read something I was reading, and it was um it was it was a collection of um, advice from Ernest Hemingway, and uh, he he had a pretty darn good career. And I thought this was very interesting. He said, when you're writing and you're having a good day, um, don't write yourself out. Stop while you're still um, going so that when you come back the next day, you're able to start right back up again. And I've tried that a few times. It's difficult to do because when you're writing, you're like, "Oh, this is going well. I, I can see where the story is going." You kind of want to keep going. But I've experienced where you've written yourself, and you go, "That's it." Then you come back the next day, and and you might, you know, I mean, I, I and I don't get much done because I was I was like starting the next chapter, starting the next scene, starting you know what the next subplot. You know, like oh, and you're sort of starting over again. And I have followed his advice where I have. Just put the pen down, so to the speak, come back the next day and picked right up, and and it was just a great way to get into the next day. So um, that has worked on occasion.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it's a great tip. Um, and I've even heard of some folks like doing, going so far as to stop in the middle of a sentence so that yeah. you absolutely have to finish a sentence. Finish
1: the sentence. That's right. That's yeah. great. But I like
0: that. I, that I have trouble doing. Yeah, that, leaving that uncomfortable complete. I gotta at least get to the to the period. Um, but um so this has been a great chat Paul, so uh, do you have any parting words of advice for our listeners?
1: Oh, good grief. Um, i I know I, I i wish I had that jewel of advice and I, I guess it would just be simply when you're stuck. Just start writing something. It doesn't even matter what it is. And sometimes, you know, just just write yourself out of your um, your blase, uh, you know, situation, and it'll and uh, and we'll get there.
0: Yeah, that's actually that's great advice. I know, we all want like the magic jewel that will make yeah. it all go away. But in a way, isn't it better to know that there is no magic and you just keep going?
1: You just keep going. There so is no. Ma- it, for yeah. The
0: magic.
1: Yeah, if, if I if I if I knew that magic, I'd I'd put it in a book and I'd sell millions of copies.
0: Yeah, so just keep going. Well, thank you again so much for talking to me tonight. Paul, could you tell listeners where to find you and your books online?
1: Sure. The best way is just my website address, which is paulattaway.com. Paul P-A-U-L. My last name is A-T-T-A-W-A-Y. If you go there. You can see my books, you can figure out the best way for you to buy them. However it is you like to buy books, all the options are there and uh, as well as uh, any upcoming events.
0: All right, great, thank you so much. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode with Paul and our chat about finding our creative voice within. And I think a lot, of, a lot of good things popped up during our conversation. I was particularly struck by just noticing some themes that that in terms of refreshing his own creative inspiration, that character seemed to be an important point, a theme that kept coming up. And while character is a great place to start if you are experiencing Um, flagging inspiration or writer's block or whatever you want to call it. It's not always what's wrong, but I think it might be useful for for those of us who who are experiencing such flagging inspiration and who have also done so in the past to think about what they've done to get themselves out of it. And if there are any common things that are cropping up, maybe it's something you can do again this time. So, that is all for this week. Um again, you can find the links to um to learn more about Paul and find his books and what he does online in the show notes. And finally, as we are approaching the end of summer, I'm lining up my editorial and coaching calendar for the fall. So, if you know that you are going to be needing some, some writing coaching services, some editorial services, head on over to bookechos.com slash services to learn more and get on the calendar. Until next time, happy writing.